back in the book of Ruth in our study in Lessons in Obedience. Uh, we're on lesson number 15. And, sorry, I got lost in my Bible there for a minute. Judges, then Ruth. Ruth chapter 4. We're almost all the way through the book of Ruth. I think once we finish Ruth, we're going to move into uh, the book of Esther. <clears throat> and we're going to see um, another very strong woman that is going to uh, follow and obey God. And we're going to see God's hand. Uh, again, the book of Esther is a book that uh, God is not mentioned personally uh, throughout the book. Uh, we just see the Jews as God's promised people uh, during a time of persecution and uh, see God's hand intervening in all of that. But uh, that's for another time. Last week, as we were in the book of Ruth, we saw Boaz promise that he would redeem all that is Naomi's uh, as long as the other kinsmen would not. Um, Ruth had laid herself at Boaz's feet, put herself at his mercy, and she had made such an impression on him that he's willing to make this sacrifice to help her. And it's interesting that we don't ever see where Boaz and Naomi met uh, that they've ever met before or that they've met during this time. We don't see them interact. We don't even see them interact in chapter 4. So this tells me that this, all of this uh, kindness from Boaz is solely taking place on Ruth's character, on what he knows of Ruth. And isn't God incredible? Uh, it's only by his hand that Ruth was in the field when Boaz came out to meet his reapers. It's only through her faith in Naomi and Naomi's God that she obeyed all the instructions given her and displayed her character in a way that Boaz would appreciate. God has a way of lining things up. Um, on Wednesday night, we got some visitors. Uh, Pastor Adam Pierce and his wife, Miss Jody, from Liberty Baptist Church down in Florida uh, were up here. Pastor Pierce is the pastor that I got saved under down in Creston. And... Uh, to look at how God moved to bring the two of us together so that I could hear the Word of God, so I could see the truth in His Word uh, and get saved is, is amazing because God brought me from here in Maxwell two hours south uh, through a, a job, and then He brought Brother Adam from Florida all the way up to Iowa to plant a church and um, put us together, uh, working together at a lawn care service and a bunch of other things that happened and it's just an amazing story but uh, it's no different than where we are here in Ruth God has brought these two people together and now Ruth is patiently waiting to receive the answer from Boaz Boaz is still trying to do everything completely above board the way it should be uh, and we're gonna see that today as he goes into the gate of the city um, but let's get into Ruth chapter 4, and we're going to just do the first six verses. So Ruth chapter 4, and verse number 1. Then went Boaz up to the gate, and sat him down there. And behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by, unto whom he said, Ho, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city, and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down. And he said unto the kinsman, Naomi, that has come again out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know 
for there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for this glorious day. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity, uh, again, to gather here to hear your truth. I pray that you would speak to our hearts today. Lord, that this truth would not just fall on ears, but it would uh, move to our hearts. It would sink in and it would grow and it would mold us and shape us into the men and women that you would have us to be. Lord, that it would strengthen and encourage us. That we would see your love and your care and that it would embolden us as we go down to the park this afternoon. So God, please guide and direct today. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The very first thing is... Boaz, remember, he had spent a long night. Uh, he had been threshing wheat all day, uh, went to sleep at the end of the pile of corn. He didn't even go home. He just went, found a place to sleep where he was. And, and Ruth had come in and laid herself at his feet. And at midnight, he was afraid and he had a, had a nightmare. He woke up and found her at his feet. And they had that great conversation. And uh, he got up early in the morning and, and sent her away. And now, here he is immediately going up to the gate of the city. He's not wasting any time. Boaz leaves the threshing floor and heads straight to the gate. Now, we have to remember that this was probably the busiest time of year for Boaz. Uh, He had to get his wheat threshed so that it could be ground and used. But he sets all that aside so that he can take care of this more urgent matter. He leaves it all to his reapers. He leaves it all to to whoever he's got working for him. He doesn't want to oversee it. He has to go take care of this. This is far more important. To the rest of the world, this might seem, this wouldn't seem like an urgent matter. Ruth and Naomi had been in, back in Bethlehem for several months, and they'd been just fine. Um, They had been there all through, from the beginning of barley harvest, all through barley harvest, all through wheat harvest, up until this time, and God had been taking care of them, and Boaz was was helping take care of them. There, there was no hurry. Yet, for Boaz, this was urgent. Boaz had given his word, and he wanted to uphold it as soon as possible. Boaz was not a slothful man. How often does the Lord show us something from his word that convicts us, and we know that we should implemented in our lives, yet we put it off until the time is right. Well, whose time are we trying to have right? We saw this morning as we looked at Gideon that that Gideon had made all these steps. He had come to know the Lord personally. He had sacrificed and offered to the Lord. And immediately that night, God spoke to him and said, it's time for you to step out in faith. And Gideon stepped out. Now again, we saw that he did it by night because he was afraid of the men of the city. It was a baby step, but it was still a step. And he wasn't disobedient because God didn't say, go do it in the middle of the day. God said, go do it. But how often have we had this time of, it's time for us to do something and we've not done it. We've 
fear has kept us from doing something. Boaz had much more pressing matters than to figure out this redemption thing. To figure out who was going to be the redeemer. He didn't even know if, if the, the next kinsman was going to be there that day. He just assumed because it was in the gate. However, he desires his desires and needs are far less important than God's. Turn with me to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. This is the uh, story, the parable of the uh, Lord that... Parable of the talents. The, the Lord left and gave one servant five talents, one servant two talents, and one servant one talent. And the first two used everything they had, everything they'd been given. They were not slothful. They they went and they worked and they served. They kept up the interest of the their Lord's business. Excuse me. And gained more. But in verse number 24, we see the plight of the, the man that was given one talent. Verse number 24 says, Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping there where their house not sown, and gathering where, there, where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, Thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gathered where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that, that which he hath. And cast you the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This man didn't believe what he knew about his Lord. He let what he thought he knew, he let the fear of what he thought he knew about his Lord keep him from doing what he was supposed to do. Romans 12. Romans 12, 1 and 2, of course, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Those are, should be verses that are very near and dear to our hearts, but skip down to verse number 9. It says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Verse number 11, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. And then Hebrews 6. First and second Timothy, and then Hebrews. Hebrews 6. And verse number 10. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who 
through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself, saying, Surely, blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath of confirmation is to them an end of all strife. God has some pretty hard views on uh, people that say they're going to do something and then don't. But He loves those that are not slothful, those that don't wait, that do what He asks them to do. So Boaz goes to the gate of the city seeking witnesses. The gate of the city uh, was the way in and out of the city. Most of these cities were walled cities, uh, so there was only a few ways in and out, just like our house. There's just there's the door. Um, so the people that looked over the city, that ruled over the city, would go and they would watch the gates. They would see uh, because they didn't have video cameras and they didn't have all of those things. They would want to know who was coming in and out of the city. <clears throat> they would want to know what's going on. As Rachel and I went out and celebrated her birthday last night, um, I have this conversation with several people that we eat with for the first time, but uh, they get confused if I ask them to move because I want to be able to see specific parts of the building. I want to be able to see the doors. I want to be able to see the exits. Uh, I want to sit in very specific places um, so that I can observe what's going on and be prepared for what's going on. The elders of the city were no different. They would go and they would watch the people that were coming in and out so they knew Oh, the, you know, the Ishmaelites are here, or the Romans are here, or uh, the Midianites are here, or whoever is here in the city, so they knew what to expect that was going to go on in the city. The gate of the city is also where trade took place, so people would come, and uh, kind of like the grocery stores, we would, they would go and they would uh, trade for their goods for other goods, and, and to make sure that they had what they needed. And then anybody entering into the city had to come through that place. So, or anyone leaving the city had to come through that place. So this was the most likely place for Boaz to find the people that he was seeking. So he went. And, of course, he finds. Um, but the gate is the controlling factor of the city. When Nehemiah wanted to limit the sin in the city on the Sabbath day, he closed the gates. Good and responsible elders would know uh, what was going on in the gate so that they could protect those in the city. The things that God does in your life should not be done in secret. This is why Boaz went to the gate. Boaz went to a populated place. God was working in his life. He was going to uh, redeem for Naomi and redeem for Ruth. And he didn't want, didn't want that to be in secret. Because when it's done in secret... It's not known of people, and people make up their own minds. Proverbs 28. <clears throat> Proverbs 28. And verse number 1. It says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. The wicked do things in secret. They hide things. And they're constantly looking over their shoulder. 
Someone who is doing righteous things is going to do them in the open and get them out in front of the public so that all can be seen and all can be known. And we've talked about this uh, many times during this study, but Ruth was not supposed to be here. Ruth was a Moabitess. Boaz was about to step into something that God commanded him not to do. God had commanded Israel to not have any dealings with the Moabites, to not take them to be their wives, to not give their daughters to be wives, to not take sons to be husbands. God had commanded them to stay away from the Moabites. But Boaz knew that this was what God wanted. Boaz knew this was the right thing to do in order to provide for this family. So he was going to remove all doubt. He was going to do this in front of everyone so that it was open and out there. Ruth had proven herself to be a virtuous woman. We saw in chapter 3 that the whole city knew her as a virtuous woman. And Boaz was not going to let anything tarnish that reputation. He was not going to give anybody an excuse to speak ill of her. He wanted this redemption to be public knowledge, open for all to see. So he found ten elders of the city. And then the near kinsman comes by, and we don't know who the near kinsman is. We don't know his name. We never see him again. He's just known as a nearer kinsman. Because he's not important in the story. He's a part of the story, but he's not the focus. He's merely a picture for us. And he pictures two things. We've talked about the first one. He's a picture of Satan. A picture of someone who wants to be the ruler, wants to be the Lord, wants to have the responsibility, wants to have the throne, but is not capable of paying the price. Satan in his pride wanted to make his throne above God's throne. He wanted to be the ruler of our lives, but he's unable to redeem us or to keep us. But this kinsman is also a picture of the law and of Moses. The law was given to Israel so that they might know how to serve God. So they might see in their lives the need for God. However, the law could not save them. The law cannot redeem them. Let's look at Revelation 12 real quick. It should hopefully tie these together. Uh, Revelation 12. And verse number 7. It says, And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out on, into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Satan is called the accuser. 
He's the one that accuses us to God, that, that tells us that we have not lived up to what we need to live up to. Now turn with me to John chapter 5. This uh, really blew my mind when I figured this out, or when I saw this. John chapter 5 and verse number 45, Christ speaking says, Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom you trust. Christ says there's only one that accuses. That's Moses. And in the book of Revelation, we know that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. The law itself pictures Satan. Satan himself pictures the law. They are the accusers. They are those that show us that, they are un, that we are unrighteous. Those that cannot redeem us. The Jews took the law to mean that if they followed, if they followed it, they were righteous. But the law cannot be followed. It's impossible. Even if you follow every point to the letter, you will still break the first commandment. To love the Lord thy God. Because the law becomes a God. And you've left your first love and followed another. This is why in Christ's day, He struggled so much walking and speaking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and those that were ruling. That's why Saul of Tarsus went to destroy the first Christians. Because they had made the law God. Instead of understanding that God gave them the law to see Him. They had become idolaters in serving the law. In serving what God had given them as light. Satan left the service of the Lord to serve himself and is a slave to sin. And could not redeem us from sin. It's only Christ that had the means, that had the kinship, and had the opportunity to redeem us. Just as Boaz is the only one who could possibly have redeemed Ruth and Naomi. Now there are uh, four things that are required of a redeemer. We see in Leviticus 25, it lays out this redemption process of land and, and people and all those things for Israel. But the first thing that's required is it has to be a kinsman. It has to be a relation. The second thing that's required is that they have to be able to pay. They have to be able to pay the price. The third thing that's required is they cannot be, if they're redeeming someone who has sold themselves into slavery, they cannot be a slave themselves. And the fourth thing is they have to be willing. It's all voluntary. Turn with me to Leviticus 25. Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Leviticus 25 and verse number 23. And this is a little bit of a long passage, but it lays it all out. Leviticus 25 and verse number 23 
This is, the Bible says, The land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine, for ye are strangers and sojourners with me. And in all the land of your possession ye shall grant a redemption for the land. If thy brother be waxen poor and hath sold away some of his possession, and if any of his kin comes to redeem it, then shall he redeem that which his brother sold. And if the man have done have none to redeem it and himself be able to redeem it, then let him count the years of the sale therefore or thereof and restore the overplus unto the man to whom he sold it, and he may return unto his possession. But if he be not able to restore it to him, then that which is sold shall remain in the hand of him that hath bought it until the year of jubilee. And in the jubilee it shall go out and shall return unto his possession. Now the year of jubilee was the 50th year. Every 50 years they had a year of jubilee. Which meant that all slaves, all Hebrew slaves, all uh, land that had changed hands went back to its original owner, went back to its original form. Verse number 29. And if a man sell a dwelling house in a walled city, then he may redeem it within a whole year after it is sold. Within a full year may he redeem it. And if it be not redeemed within the space of a full year, then the house that is in the walled city shall be established forever to him that bought it throughout his generations. It shall not go out in the jubilee. But the houses of the villages which have no wall round about them shall be counted as the fields of the country. They may be redeemed, and they shall go out in the jubilee. <clears throat> Notwithstanding the cities of the Levites and the houses of the cities of their possession, may the Levites redeem at any time. And if a man purchase of the Levites, then the house that was sold in the city of his possession shall go out in the year of jubilee. For the houses of the cities of the Levites are their possession among the children of Israel. But the field of the suburbs of their cities may not be sold, for it is their perpetual possession. And if thy brother be waxen poor and fallen in decay with thee, then thou shalt relieve him, yea, though he be a stranger or a sojourner, that he may live with thee. Take thou no, take thou no usury of him or increase, but fear thy God, that thy brother may live with thee. Thou shalt not give him thy money upon usury, nor lend him thy victuals for increase. I am the Lord your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, to give you the land of Canaan, and to be your God. And if thy brother that dwelleth with thee be waxen poor, and be sold unto thee, thou shalt not compel him to serve as a bondservant, but as an hired servant. And as a sojourner, he shall be with thee, and shall serve thee until the year of Jubilee. And then shall he depart from, from thee, both he and his children, with whom, and shall return unto his own family, unto the possession of his father, shall he return." For they are my servants, which I brought forth out of the land of Egypt. They shall not be sold as bondmen. Thou shalt not rule over him with rigor, but shalt fear thy God. Both thy bondmen and thy bondmaids, which thou shalt have, shall be of the heathen that are round about you. Of them shall ye buy bondmen and bondmaids. Moreover, the children of the strangers that do sojourn among you, of them shall ye buy of their families that are with you, and that which they beget in your land, and they shall be your possession." And ye shall take them as an inheritance of your children after you, for your children after you, to inherit them for a possession. They shall be your bondmen forever. But over your brethren, the children of Israel, you shall not rule one over another with rigor. And if a sojourner or a stranger wax rich by thee, and thy brother that dwelleth by him wax poor, and selleth himself unto the stranger or sojourner by thee, for to the stock of the stranger's family, 
After that he is sold, he may be redeemed again. One of his brethren may redeem him. Either his uncle or his uncle's son may redeem him, or any that is nigh of kin unto him of his family may redeem him. Or if he be able, he may redeem himself. And he shall reckon with him that bought him from the year that he was sold to him under the year of Jubilee. And the price of his sale shall be according under the number of years, according to the time of an hired servant shall it be with him. That whole idea is slightly confusing, but the basics are, if you became indebted and you wanted to sell a piece of land to pay the debt, you could sell your land, but it could be redeemed by anyone in your family. The debt could be paid off, and the land had to go back to you. Uh, if it was not redeemed by the year of the Jubilee, then uh, and did not was then sold again or was returned was not returned, then it would remain in the possession of the person that bought it. But you could also sell yourself. But there was a way out. There was a, a process of removing yourself from that debt, removing yourself from that problem. Even in all of this, even back in the book of Leviticus, we see the process by which Christ would come for us. Because we were all sold into sin. So it was this kinsman's this nearer kinsman's responsibility if he was able, if he was willing, and if he uh, was not a slave himself, he had the opportunity to redeem all of this. In the case of Naomi, uh, all her immediate family was gone and could not redeem her. So the respons responsibility falls on a close relative. And we don't know the exact relationship with either the near kinsman or Boaz. We don't know, was he Elimelech's brother? Was he a cousin? We don't know how far away this relationship is. But we know that they were close enough for this responsibility to fall on them. This should be a call to action for us as Christians. For those of us who have placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and have been saved, we have the responsibility, just as Boaz and the near kinsman had, to be the Redeemer. Now, again, we are not uh, capable of the salvation part. That is only by God. But now we have the responsibility of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians. I got too many bookmarks. I keep flipping my pages in the wrong place. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 17. The Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things that are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath, been, hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. 
For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We are not, we are not capable of redeeming those back to their own state, back to their original owner. But we are capable of speaking of one that is. Reconciliation uh, means to bring into agreement those that are opposite or incon- things that are opposite or inconsistent. We're at odds with God because we have been sold into bondage under sin. Redemption is the means by which reconciliation is possible. Christ paid the price for our redemption, and now it is up to us to share the news with our family and the world so that they can be reconciled to God. Now imagine if this whole book of Ruth had taken place differently. Imagine that Ruth and Naomi had come back and Boaz had known they come back and knew that that they were selling this parcel of land and didn't tell them, but he went and bought it and paid the debt. Imagine that nobody told them that the debt had been paid. They would continue as if they still had the debt. They would continue. We are the ones that are, would have been responsible to go and tell them that somebody has already paid the debt. The world around us, the debt has been paid. Christ died for all. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. If all have sinned, then all are under the wages of sin, which is death, and all have received the gift. But the rest of the world doesn't know it and hasn't accepted it. That is our responsibility. Boaz goes and, and he makes the offer. He finds the kinsmen, he finds the elders, and he makes the offer. The offer. He says, Ho, such a one, turn in. Let me advertise... Or, um, Verse number four. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. Naomi is selling this land that was a Limelex. Redeem it. You are the kinsman that is that is there. It, it is up for you, so redeem it. And the and the kinsman immediately agrees. When he knows that it's Naomi, he immediately agrees. And I believe that's because he thinks that this will increase his holdings and possessions in the promised land. Since Naomi is old and has no children, this is a low-risk situation for him. There's no one to, for the land to revert back to in the year of Jubilee, and there's no one else that can claim possession of it. So it will be his. It will increase his holdings. <coughs> but then Boaz lays out that not only does the land need to be redeemed for Naomi, but it also needs to be redeemed for Ruth. Now, this is not exactly true because Ruth was a Moabite. She has no inheritance with Israel. However, because of her faith and her obedience to the Lord, through the, God, through Boaz, is making her a part of his family. Because she was allowed to marry Malon, now it's her responsibility to raise children to carry on Malon's line. Praise the Lord. 
Boaz is going to give her the opportunity to become, a, to, be, to become a part of Israel, we have that same opportunity. Christ died for the whole world, not just the Jews. Even the dogs get to be redeemed. We've talked about this uh, when we were talking about Ruth offering herself as a sacrifice. We saw the woman uh, of, of Samaria come and, and speak to Christ, and he said that uh, it's not time. Should I give the meat for the children to the dogs? And she says, but the dogs eat of the crumbs of the table. Those that were not worthy are being included. Ruth is being included. But this is too much for the nearer kinsman to handle. He cannot redeem any of it if he has to take Ruth as well. Now this could be for a multitude of reasons. The least of which could be that he couldn't afford it. It could also be that he didn't want to risk losing it all in the year of Jubilee because now uh, there would be a child born that would be uh, Malon's. So anything that he bought would go back to Malon, to Kylion, to Elimelech's family. But most likely it's because, because Ruth is a Moabite. And he didn't want to have her as, as a wife and raise up children with her. This last thought is what makes me think that this was a younger man, perhaps. Perhaps he didn't have any other children. He didn't want to risk the firstborn being rejected by the rest of the Jews because that child was a Moabite or was, was part Moabite. But all of these are human thoughts. The real reason that he could not redeem it is because God kept him from doing it through these circumstances. He didn't have the faith. So now the door was open for Boaz to step in, who willingly volunteered for the job. What a great picture of Christ, of Christ, a willing sacrifice, who brought a Gentile into the family of God. A picture that had been seen, that should have been seen by the Jews who watched Christ be crucified. Now we understand that, that Boaz might have had a little bit different picture because Boaz's mother was Rahab the harlot. Another lady that should not have been anywhere near the children of Israel. Yet her faith in protecting the two spies had saved her life when Joshua and the Israelites entered into the land. And now Boaz was taking a woman of virtue, a woman of faith, and bringing her into the community. And through all of this, we know that eventually it leads to King David, which eventually leads to Christ. The nearer kinsman missed the opportunity to be blessed by God. Boaz was willing to take the risk was willing to step out by faith and was rewarded. We talked about it this morning with Gideon. Gideon was taking those first steps of faith and God was there to guide and direct and protect. And we're going to see him take a few more wobbly steps, but ultimately his name is recorded for us as a man of faith that delivered Israel 
Boaz's name is, is recorded for all eternity as a man of faith who's in the, the lineage of Christ. Now this book is written. It's finished. There's no more open revelation from God coming. Everything He wants us to know is right here. So our names will never be recorded in this book. But if you're saved, they'll be recorded in heaven. And the angels will sing and rejoice when you enter.